and welcome to Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Rabbi Aaron, recently we were talking about what is spirituality, which to me was very interesting because it's like terms we throw around. I think we definitely think the concept of spirituality is connected to religion, but what is it exactly? And for those who aren't sure, please listen to our other show on spirituality. But in the course of the conversation, you brought up another term that we used a lot, I think connected when you think of God and religion, which is holiness. And made me realize, I think just like spirituality, we often don't understand when we're using a term, what does it actually mean? The concept of holiness is so connected. We think of a holy peeping people. Religion is all about trying, I believe, to infuse a concept of holiness within man. God is holy. But what does it actually mean to be holy? Excellent question. You know, uh, when we prepare ourselves to do a, a mitzvah, to, to perform a commandment, we have a preparatory blessing that we say, Asher Blessed be you, God, who has commanded us and has made us holy through your commandments. And it doesn't say made us spiritual, doesn't may it doesn't say made us good people. It says holy. And that's really the goal of a Torah life. It's to become holy. And it's something that most people or many people, as far as I've experienced so far, they haven't really got clarity on. They confuse it with spirituality. Uh, and it's, it's really not the same because spirituality is the opposite of physicality. And in most people's minds, they're in some way in conflict with each other. They're somewhat mutual exclusive. Holiness transcends the either or of spiritual or physical and includes them both. The, the truth is that holiness would be have better been spelt as W-H-O-L, uh, you know, and not just simply H-O-L, but mm. holiness is to be whole, it's to complete. And the Kabbalah teaches that the word Kedusha, holy, is, uh, is, is completeness, totalness, uh, wholeness. And that's what we want to be. We want to be whole people, uh, inclusive people. And what you'll notice in Judaism is anything that's identified as having a higher degree of holiness will always have a higher degree of inclusiveness. Because for something to be whole, it means it's it's not missing uh, as much as other things. So the holier you become, the more you're including. Uh, and so holiness in our tradition uh, means that we become whole, both physically and spiritually, mentally and emotionally, and we become whole people. Mm. That's a very interesting explanation. And it's it's both making sense and creating questions in my mind, because I guess off the bat, when I think of holiness, I think, well, I think spiritual, which we said, well, what is holy and what's spirit? Use other terms that you don't know what they mean to try to explain it, but non-physical. On the other hand, it's a very interesting point that you're saying it create, includes both the physical things and non-physical things, because I think actually there's a lot of holy objects and holy spaces when we talk about the concept of holiness, there's the holy and holy time. There's the Sabbath, holy time, holy place, Jerusalem, the temple, holy things um, that we talk about using for uh, certain commandments. We need things that are have a certain holiness. So it definitely has to include physical things. But what would make a place, a time, a thing holy versus something else, which we, we say isn't holy, so to speak? Well, before I just go there, I wanted to add the fact that 
almost all commandments involve some kind of physical activity. Mm. And so if it was all about being spiritual, then, then Judaism would be spending a lot more time just simply meditating. But it's not. There's a, it's a tremendous amount of activity going on. You've got a matzah that you're eating. You've got a sukkah that you're living in. And, uh, and so it goes back to the idea that holiness is to become whole. And a, a human being is both soul and a body. And we are not only mental beings and spiritual beings, but we're also active beings in the physical world. So it's important to understand that. Uh, another thing is uh, what makes time holy? Well, the truth is that from a holographic point of view, you know, there's an idea in, in, in physics called a holographic universe. A holographic universe is basically claiming that within every detail is every detail of the universe, that within all is the all, and that every detail is a particular manifestation of a universal whole. And so, um, and so uh, every moment actually has within it all of eternity. And every millimeter of space has all of infinity existentially. But there's some places where that truth becomes more manifest and accessible. And so, you know, we say that, and we talked about this once before, that the presence of God fills the earth. And yet we are also told that on Temple Mount, there's this greater uh, saturation uh, of, of divine presence, but it's not really greater saturation. It's just greater accessibility. Mm. So from our point of view, subjectively, there appears to be more holiness here. Uh, and so too with spaces, you know, we once talked about the land of Israel, one, one of the unique uh, uh, features of the land of Israel that makes it praiseworthy is these uh, species, uh, you know, figs and grapes, and and there's 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 certain um, uh, crops, and and they're identified as something very praiseworthy of the country. And a beautiful understanding that I heard is that these crops actually need mutually exclusive weather conditions. In other words, the fact that the land of Israel can grow these different crops is, is miraculous, which is an indication of how holy the land is, that it can include that which seems to be mutually exclusive, and yet somehow all that is uh, contained and happening in this little country. Same thing with Kohanim, the priest uh, represents the people, and so there's something about him that's eclectic, and, and, uh, and, and so again, everybody existentially... Uh, or let's call it ontologically, in their essence, within everyone is, is everyone to their own relativity. But, uh, but that truth is more manifest in different people and different places and different times. Mm, that's very interesting. But, but if, I just want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly. It sounds like there's certain places where it's inherently built in, like the Temple Mount and Kohanim are the people inherently already starting out with a certain element of holiness. But then I'm thinking there's, let's say, like a, a, a synagogue that could be a random building that didn't have any specific elevated level of holiness, but then we infuse it with holiness by the way we've designated to use it. So there's also the possibility of uh, creating holiness in a space or a person that maybe it wasn't I, initially I, I inherent would, in. Yeah, I wouldn't use the word infuse it. I would say draw out of it because ah, okay. 
deep within every millimeter is infinity and deep within every second is eternity. But some seconds that eternity is more accessible and, and revealed and manifest in some places, no. So we can make a place holy and we can make a, a moment holy. And there's certain moments that already have that accessibility built in. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it is. But, but one of the things that I would have thought you would have asked because everybody asks this is most people have heard that holy means separate. Mm. And that seems to contradict everything I'm saying. And, and I think it's one of the things that might be a turnoff to people that, oh, holy means I become separated, isolated, alienated. And actually, I, I, the, the Hebrew word is generally nivdal. And nivdal isn't really separate. Uh, it would be more correct to say transcendent. Oh, because transcendent means that, that it's above and inclusive. For instance... Uh, and we once talked about this, I think, you know, Friday night, we do something called Kiddush on wine. And I was at someone's home and they did Kiddush. They, they sanctified the, the day with this blessing over the wine. And then they poured a, a little shot glass to everybody at the table. And the fellow next to me passed on to me his shot glass. And I, I said, no, it's for you. And there was this awkward moment where I saw he didn't want to be close to the wine. I realize that he is an alcoholic that is working very hard to stay sober. And so, uh, well, so is, is, has he transcended wine? No, he's actually removed and distanced himself from wine, which is really admirable, but he hasn't transcended it. To transcend wine would mean you can include wine in your day. You could have a shot glass and you don't become addicted to it and finish the whole bottle. So, so there's a difference between being distant and distance from or separating yourself from wine or transcending wine. Separating yourself is putting a distance and, and excluding wine. But transcending wine would mean including wine without becoming trapped and addicted and, and, and in it. So that's why something that's holy, we actually say that God is holy, holy, holy. His presence fills the world. Well, if holy, holy, holy meant separate, 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 then how did his presence end up filling the world? And the idea that is not separate, 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 but God is transcendent. He's so transcendent. He's so transcendent that he can be in this world and yet beyond this world simultaneously. He can be in this world and not of this world at the same time. Wow. So as a human being, I, my understanding is there is an ideal for me to be a holy person. Is that yes. meaning it's not only a Kohen, someone who is born with that um, a certain aspect of holiness that is inherent that we all have. I love that you said drawing it out. We all are supposed to be drawing out holiness from within us, which means there's a certain transcendence we're supposed to have um, within ourselves, coming out from within ourselves. That's right. We all are capable of self-transcendence or to be more correct, ego transcendence, because Ego is trying to convince us that we're self-contained, self-sufficient, independent, uh, fragmented entities separate from each other. Re really, uh, ego transcendence means, no, I'm beyond that. And I'm a soul. And because I'm a soul, uh, I'm unique. And yet my uniqueness doesn't exclude you, doesn't disqualify you. Actually, what's unique about me is that I include you. It's kind of like today in holistic medicine, you know, reflexology claims that within the foot, 
uh, relative to the foot is express the entire body and that someone can, can massage different parts of your foot and, and, and heal different parts of your body. Or uh, iridology says that you can diagnose a person by looking into their, their, the pupil of their eyes because within the eyes is represented and reflected the entire body. That's, that, is Judaism. that is Judaism within every detail to its own relativity is reflected the whole. And, that would, and the more we reveal that and live according to that, the more holy we are. And so I would say we, we want instructions for how to do that, how to uh, draw out holiness from us, and that would be the Torah. Exactly. That's what I mean, it means. You made us holy, transcendental people, whole people through these commandments. And is there anything that's not holy or is it just there's like the lack of holiness having been drawn out, but it's, there's always potentially for it to be there. It just depends on what level of holiness has been revealed or is there such a thing as something that's actually not holy? Uh, good question. Uh, well, you have a force that is uh, challenging holiness, mm. which is the ego. Uh, but what we'll see is that ultimately even the ego will be included in holiness because the challenge to holiness is what's enhancing it and revealing it which means that even the force against it is, is part of it <laughs> in, a, in an uh, ironic way. And mm. so, uh, you know, so ultimately holiness will, you know, uh, uh, Friday night we sing the song uh, to angels that accompany us to our homes. It's called Shalom Aleichem. We welcome uh, the angels and we describe these angels as angels and ministers and of um, messengers of uh, agents of peace. One of the understandings I heard is those two angels is the evil inclination and the good inclination. Now, why, how are they angels of peace and why are they showing up on Shabbat? Because on Shabbat, we're able to be so inclusive that we realize that even the evil inclination can be included in and appreciated as serving the higher purpose. Hmm. And that the evil inclination, the good inclination, so to speak, make peace on Shabbat, uh, and re and 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 we recognize that if it wouldn't be that challenge of the evil urge to us, we wouldn't grow and make courageous, important choices. Hmm. That's a powerful way of taking that something that we see as inherently not good and realizing it itself actually serves a purpose of a higher, greater good by giving us that opportunity for the choices we can make by challenging us. Right. And so at that point, in a mysterious way, we've included holy, we've included even that which is against us as part of us mm. and contributing to us. And that's a very holy thing to do. So Shabbat, you're explaining it, there's an inherent holiness to it. And I was just actually thinking, I mean, other days of the week don't have that. On the other hand, if a person doesn't connect to the inherent holiness of Shabbat, but they take a different day of the week and they really infuse it with a, a lot of prayer and a lot of good deeds and really elevate that day, even though that day might have been used in a more elevated way and transcendent way, so to speak, uh, is there any way it could ever reach that level of inherent holiness to the to the Shabbat? Okay, excellent question. I, I, I'm actually uncomfortable with using the word inherent. 
Okay. Because the, because holiness is inherent everywhere. Mm. Question is, is it manifest? Manifest. Okay. Uh, is it is it accessible in our subjective perceptual world? So I just wanted to, uh, uh, you know, edit that a, a little bit. Rav Cook says something quite surprising based on the Kabbalah that uh, from our perspective, things that appear to be very dark and unholy are actually in their deepest, 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 deepest depths, really holy, but not accessible to us. Uh, for instance, uh, most people won't remember this, but once upon a time when a person used a camera, there was something called film, not digital cameras. And the film would, would, would have, uh, you would have something called the negative, and then they would develop the negative onto like a printing paper. And the negative, everything that was bright in the original picture was dark, and everything that was dark in the original picture was actually light. And uh, that's how a negative was. It was the opposite of how it will appear on, 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 the, on the printing paper. And uh, unfortunately, most people don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, the point being is that something that seems to be so, so physical and, and so uh, re removed from godliness actually has a, a, an incredible intensity of godliness waiting to be released, but we're just not perceiving it. So it appears to us as very dark. Uh, you know, uh, like imagine someone has a problem with their with their eyeballs, and when you turn a light on, they actually see darkness because the light is 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 harsh on their eyes. And so what appears to us as darkness is actually light. And what appears to others that would be darkness to this guy actually would be light because he can't handle so much light. So too, the presence of Hashem fills everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. But some places we're, in the, we're evolved enough in consciousness to see it. And some places we're not evolved enough in consciousness to see it, but it's actually there. So you're asking me whether we could make a weekday as holy as Shabbat, and we're actually told in the future they'll just be Shabbat. It'll always be Shabbat. Oh, how interesting. But in a sense, from what I'm understanding, it sounds like you're sharing that at this time period within the world the way it is, God's given us the gift then of having at least one day a week where we have this taste, so to speak, of what more revealed holiness can be like. Yeah, and can we on our own at this point draw out of you know Sunday or Monday or Tuesday that level of holiness of Shabbat, not right now, but eventually it will all be Shabbat, hmm. which sounds it will like it'll be holy time. Ah, so be holy time. And the concept of holiness and transcendence will permeate everywhere, not just uh, specific right. mitzvot, specific and we, and time we, frames. We will, sense, we will sense eternity in every moment and infinity in every millimeter of the land. Wow. But in the meantime, we all should be tapping into as best as we can uh, the opportunities that we have even now to have a taste and a connection to the transcendent holiness that we do have opportunities for. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel.